Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success strategies and resources for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Hello everyone and welcome to Vegan Business Talk. I'm your host, Katrina Fox, and joining me today is Rebecca Ettridge from Wombat Cafe and Store. Isn't that a fabulous name for a cafe? <laughs> and if you don't know what a wombat is, it's an Australian, a very sweet Australian furry creature. And maybe Beck can say a bit more about that. That's, <laughs> that's about the limit of my knowledge. But Rebecca... Um, her store and cafe is actually located in Mornington Peninsula's first one in its uh, Mornington Peninsula's first 100% vegan cafe in Victoria, Australia, and it was founded in 2016. Now, the, since then, the business has expanded to a team of 16 employees with a second location on the cards. And Rebecca has managed to do this, is which we're going to do a deep dive into, has managed to do all this by running the cafe remotely. She actually lives three hours away since the business was only 18 months old, despite being told this couldn't be done. I love it when entrepreneurs come up with solutions. Now, Wombat regularly raises and donates substantial amounts of money to Australian animal sanctuaries, along with ongoing monthly payments to pay the rent, a grassroots indigenous organisation. The cafe also funds the running costs of its own farm sanctuary, Plumfield Farm, which currently houses 92 residents. Rebecca, welcome. Hi, thanks, Katrina. <laughs> Great to have you here today. And I know Beck and I met a few years ago, actually, when I think you'd not long started Wombat Cafe. I think we met at a workshop I was presenting. So it's great to see Wombat go from strength to strength. So first of all, kick us off with why you started it and why particularly in the location? Because, you know, it's not like a metro area, you know, very vegan friendly, you know, like Melbourne, for example. You, it's kind of out in the sticks a bit. Um, so tell us a bit about why you started it and why in the location. The location was 100 metres away from our house. So it was an empty shop that we passed every day when we were walking the dogs in the park. And I kept thinking, oh, I wish somebody would open a great cafe there with soy milk so we could get a soy latte. And um, it stayed empty. And the little thought just kept ticking over that maybe it would be me that had to open up a cafe. And I'd also taken on a rescue lamb and wanted to have more of an impact um, it wasn't enough for me just to be vegan. I wanted to show people how easy it was to make kinder choices with the food that they were eating. Amazing. It's wonderful. Um, and um, what were you doing, just out of curiosity, what were you doing professionally before this? Like did you have experience in running cafes or in the hospitality industry at all? I did have a long history of hospitality in and out, working for different places. I'd been managing a vineyard. And I actually opened up Wild Yam Health Food Store and Cafe Mordialic, which is a vegan, I think they only have vegan food now. 
and that was about 12, 14 years ago. And then just prior to the cafe, I'd been running my own bed and breakfast properties. Okay. Okay. So you had some experience, but it's, it's interesting that you decided to open it in that particular area. So did you, and I, and I get that, you know, you obviously you wanted somewhere for, for you know, to, you could enjoy, you know, have your coffee yeah. with the, some, some soy milk, et cetera. But like, did you do any kind of, like, did you just kind of go, right, I'm just going to do this and make it work. And, uh, or did you do any research as to, you know, would, how would this be a success? Because it's quite risky. I mean, it's risky anyway to open any kind of business, but, you know, particularly in an area that's perhaps not known for being vegan or plant-based. It definitely was a big risk. My business plan consisted of I have enough savings that I can keep this cafe running for a couple of years, and if it's a complete flop, that's it. Um <laughs> It, it really was about convenience. I didn't think about any other areas. It was just it was close to home. And I really had that gut instinct that build it and they will come. And it was never uh, targeted as a vegan-only cafe. I just wanted to make a cafe that appealed to everybody that just happened to be vegan. Amazing, amazing. Well, sometimes you just got to go with your gut. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. So, in terms of who are your customers then uh, at the moment? Would you say they're mostly vegan or vegetarian or flexitarian? Like just anecdotally, I'm sure you don't need to say exactly, but who would you say are your kind of main clientele? I would say that that's the beauty of Wombat. I don't feel that we do have a main clientele. We have a really broad range of different customers that come in, a really broad customer base. And that's been surprising because initially I, I did think there were people that wouldn't come into the cafe and I've been proven wrong. It, we we get everybody. Got it. How much do you use the word vegan in your, we're going to talk about marketing and promo, but I, I'm just curious how, because you've said that you, you know, you weren't sure that people would go into it, but how much, and particularly in the beginning, and maybe this has changed, but certainly in the beginning when you launched it, like how much were you kind of using the word vegan or even plant-based in your branding and marketing? Initially, we never used the word vegan. My whole philosophy was vegan by stealth. So it's Wombat Cafe and Store. There was no vegan branding within the cafe. And we've we've kind of moved a little bit away from that. We're much more um, openly vegan, I guess. Like there's lots of products and uh, clothing, for example, that has vegan logos and all of my staff usually wear T-shirts with slogans over them. So we yeah. don't shy away from that. But initially we were conscious of not having the word vegan because we wanted everybody to come in uh, without any preconceived ideas. Nice. That makes sense because you started, as you said, in 2016. And although, you know, veganism, it, it started to become, you know, a bit more demystified um, in the media around about 2014. So that's understandable. You know, 2016, it was still kind of, you know, people were still sort of getting used to it, whereas now it's almost like a, a selling point, if you like. So it's interesting that, that that changed over that time. So what were your what were some of your challenges when you were first starting out um, launching the cafe? It sounds a bit crazy, but 
But the challenge at the start was there was no build-up in the business. It, we opened on a Wednesday without any advertising and we were run off our feet. And mum lined up to be the chef <laughs> and I'd roped in a couple of friends. And within three days, my mum was out of there. She was just <laughs> too hard. And so I got thrown in the deep end and was uh, cooking for, I think, a solid six months. And it was exhausting. We just didn't expect it. And it just didn't slow down. It wasn't uh, a busy few days while everyone was coming in to check us out. It was very busy from day one and it hasn't stopped amazing why do you think that is? I mean that's a good problem when I said well what are your challenges I mean that's a good problem to have isn't that's a high quality problem <laughs> why do you think that is I think we just hit it we just got it right it was it's um there was nothing really in the strip there was a bike shop that had opened a little milk bar and a very small cafe, and we had this new shop, new fit-out. It looked great, really welcoming. Uh, we kept our prices low. We had a great menu. It was all sort of comfort food and great staff who were really motivated to be there and friendly, and we just really quickly built this very loyal following. Amazing. That's really, you obviously hit on gold there. Um, so it's interesting you say that like it, you kind of took off when people really loved it and they loved the menu. So in terms of did you start it out purely as a cafe and then kind of added the store stuff like the products, you know, um, that you do as well or did that come later? We opened up with retail products. Obviously uh, over time we've increase that substantially but that was always the plan from the get-go to have the retail as well just as add-on sales uh, point of interest for people coming in to have a look and just personally like I knew that uh, the vegan market was exploding and I, I love looking at all the new products and trying them myself and keeping keeping it interesting for customers they come in and there's always something new on the shelves yeah and one of the challenges of that because that's an interesting one because like if running a cafe is kind of a business in and of itself running you know a, a retail store is like a business in and of itself and you're kind of doing both right from the get-go so that were there any kind of challenges there like just in terms of managing both sides of that not really we've we've kept it very simple I don't, I'm not very good at going into the nitty gritty of sales. Like I probably couldn't give you an accurate figure of exactly the percentage of retail that we sell each week. I just look on the shelves, there's gaps, I place orders. It's it's pretty organic and non-structured. We don't have um, a whole lot of procedures. We just get in products that we like, that we feel are a good fit for our business and that seems to be working and can people buy with the the retail products can people buy online or are all your customers kind of local that live in the area all of our customers 
uh, well, actually, no, they're not all local. We have a really strong, loyal customer base, but we also have customers that travel from the other side of the city to come down. But we don't do any online sales. None at all, not even for the retail products? No. That's pretty amazing, the fact that you're able, the business, as we mentioned, actually uh, you know, supports the funds, the running costs of an animal sanctuary, which, as we know, running an animal sanctuary is super expensive. So um, that's pretty amazing that you're managing to to do that. So when did the cafe kind of turn? Because I know sometimes with some hospitality venues, sometimes it can take, you know, six months, a year, even longer to actually break even, let alone go into profit. So did that kind of happen quite quickly for you in terms of, you know, it being able to pay for itself, pay for the staff and pay for an animal sanctuary it did happen quite quickly I think probably one of the big differences with us compared to a lot of businesses starting out is it was self-funded so we didn't have a lot of um, expenses say paying for equipment and loans at the start so so that came from your savings initially you you invested that yourself right yeah yeah so the staff were paid from day one. I paid myself from day one. And it, and the cafe has been self-sufficient from day one. Wow. You must have a very loyal customer, but like particularly because you, it's amazing. Like, you know, you're, say you're in a, not in a metropolitan area, all you're cutting, you've got no online sales um, and you managed to be in profit. There must be a secret sauce here that I don't know <laughs> if I'm missing something, or, but I, I feel like there's, there's something, and I know people listening or watching are going to be thinking that there's got to be something. Like what? What was it? Especially like you say, you even launched with no advertising and marketing. That that's right. I, to be honest, sometimes, well, a lot of the times, I'm still pinching myself. I can't believe it. And probably, like we're nearly four. What are we? Five years down the track. I'm relaxing slightly, but literally every day I used to think today's the day it's going to fall apart. Today's <laughs> because it's it's really amazed me to be honest uh that has got a lot busier too in the last five years so what what was a very quiet shopping strip is now absolutely thriving Uh, the mountain biking across the road has taken off so that's definitely had an impact Amazing. So have any, you haven't had any competitors pop up then, like kind of nearby? Because you would think that, you know, somebody sees a thriving cafe, they might be kind of like, oh, you know, we'll open something, you know, not too far away. So how has that kind of played out? We have got a new cafe next door now. And there's definitely other vegan cafes that have popped up on the peninsula now, which is really good. Uh, We've got one 100% vegan cafe in Rye, Hunter, and those girls opened up, I think, about 12 months after us, so that was exciting. And there's definitely plenty of competition cafe-wise in Dramana, and we are off the main strip, but I've never been afraid of competition. Mm, I like that. It's a big enough pie for everybody, I guess. Literally, in, in this case, <laughs> enough vegan pie. So 
So you've talked about um, staffing. So you've got, I believe, at the moment around 16 staff members. So, And I know you've said, obviously, your mum started and then you kind of went in. But then after 18 months, you know, you were able to do this remotely. So talk us a little bit about the staff, because I know you've mentioned that I think some staff have even been with you since the beginning, which, as as you've said uh, before we did the interview, um, that's almost unheard of in hospitality, which has got a very high turnover rate. So when did you first know, okay, I've got to hire, you know, my first two members of staff and and who are they? Um, Because obviously, you know, staff come with costs. Like in Australia, there's things like workers' compensation, superannuation if they're actual on staff as opposed to contract. So, you know, that can be quite a big expense. So how have you kind of managed that? We, well, I interviewed some young girls from the local school uh, before we opened just to have on hand a couple of a couple of juniors. Uh, those girls were both happened to be vegan. I think word had got out that there was a cafe opening. I think for memory they may have approached me and they're still both with me to this day. And other than that, I roped in friends and family initially. And then probably about six months after we opened, the right people just came through the door. We've been incredibly lucky. We've never had to place uh, an advertisement for staff. Occasionally I've put something online, maybe on Instagram, saying, hey, we're hiring, we're looking for someone. But it's all happened through word of mouth and people just walking in the door. And are all the staff vegan or is it a mix? At the moment, I think everyone's vegan. We may have one or two vegetarians. But you don't specify that necessarily or is, is it, it's not necessarily a requirement? It's not a, a requirement and we've certainly never put that into any um, ads. But being a vegan cafe... If you're vegan and you're wanting a job in hospitality, you're probably going to come and approach us. Right, right. So you've got no shortage of people wanting to work there. No, no. We've we've never struggled. We've been incredibly lucky. Got it. So talk us a bit about how you've managed to run the business remotely, even though you said you had people telling you it couldn't be done um how did you make that work so after 18 months you live three hours away so if somebody calls in sick or can't go in it's not like you could you know you're around the corner you can just come around and fill in which is I guess what can happen with some um owners so how have you made that work I've got an incredible manager who's also called Beck who's been with me most since day one I think Beck started four or five months after we started and she takes care of everything. And also technology is amazing. You know, I, we can be in touch on a day-to-day basis. We can organise basically anything via messenger or a phone call. But definitely having trust uh, staff that I could trust has made it possible. It was a bit of a leap of faith. Uh, I had friends and other business owners saying, you know, you can't possibly leave your business completely in the hands of staff Um, you need to install cameras how are you you going to know they're not going to be stealing from you all those kind of things but Wombat is not a typical business there's 
really strong ethics behind it and my team and I were all on the same page. We are working to create impact and help animals. It's not about um, making a ton of money to buy a new car. So it's got a really different um, meaning behind it, I think, and that really impacts the day-to-day running of the business. But what happens there? So you've got a manager, but what happens if suddenly either, you know, I don't know, she left very quickly or was sick? Like what's your backup plan? The beauty of Wombat is even though we've got a big team and Beck's amazing at, at steering the ship, all of those, well, I'd say nine out of ten of my staff could run the cafe standing on their head. Like everybody's got all of the skills. There's no um, limits. Like there's not two people that are only allowed to manage the till, for example. Everybody knows how to cash up. Everybody knows the procedures, how to order. So Amazing. Feel that we have a handful, more than one person that could keep the business running. Uh, that's really useful. That's that's really quite smart to kind of make sure, yeah, everybody is, you know, majority of staff are trained and able to do that. That makes a lot of sense rather than just putting them in the box of this is only what you do. So that's that's interesting. That's so interesting. I don't know if there's many businesses that do that. Um, and you also mentioned, you're, I think you're quite different in terms of menu planning. Can you talk a little bit about that? Our menu planning Initially, I just wrote down a list I think a few days before we opened and I just thought of all of the things that I liked eating that were really simple, that people, that everyone would enjoy, that were really sort of appealing to a wide audience. So we do all the basics, uh, sausage rolls, uh, lasagna, curry, avo smash, pancakes. And over time I've left the menu more and more in the hands of my staff so it's pretty much guided by what they decide now wow and do you liaise like is that kind of based on what they think will work or is there any kind of like something in place where you get feedback from customers about what they might like to see on the menu or anything like that yeah it's definitely driven by what customers are after and what sells well. For example, um, somebody in the kitchen might have an idea that they're going to try a new dish, so they'll put it on as a special and see what kind of feedback they get. And then if it's successful, they might might put it on the permanent menu. Nice. I love it. So COVID obviously been a big impact. And I'm really interesting to find out with your business, because obviously, you know, being in Victoria, which I know has kind of been into, you know, various lockdowns, and you don't sell online. um, How has that impacted your business? Initially, it was really scary, that first lockdown, where it was all unknown. We actually closed for six completely. Six weeks. Six weeks. Wow. Yes. It's scary. So we actually, you know, had to pack up everything, empty the shop. And what we ended up doing was turning it into a, a positive. So while we were shut. Hang on, what, just before you say that, Beth, why did you have to pack everything up and empty the shop? 
we had to take all the retail products, all of the foods, all of the dry storage. We packed up all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And took so we, it out of the store? Yes. Yeah. And why was that? Because you were afraid people might break in or something? Well, and just for pest management, like just leaving a, a business shut for six weeks, it just didn't. Oh, well, it was actually unknown too. We thought it may mm. have been months and months. So it was just for, I guess, just in case. So we just boxed everything up. We had to use a lot of things that were going to expire. And um, what, what we ended up doing, though, is once we knew we could reopen, we came in a couple of weeks beforehand and did some minor renovations, uh, painted, so that when we reopened it was a little bit of a revamp. And when you reopen, because obviously even when you reopen, I think people couldn't immediately go and sit in and eat. So did you implement a takeaway service or did you already have a takeaway service, like a, a you know, where people come and order and then pick it up and take it away? We already were offering most of our menu takeaway. But, yes, it was takeaway only when we first initially opened. And what was interesting is figures-wise we were doing exactly the same but it was less labour, uh, it was faster, and the staff absolutely loved it. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. To um, do seated service again because it was so much easier for them. Wow, wow, that's great to know. That's that's really good to know that you're able to get through that, and especially without the online component because I can see you are doing something differently. I'm going to talk about marketing in a minute because even that you're doing quite quite differently, um, you know, because most business or a lot of businesses that I've spoken to, you know, when COVID hit, they kind of, you know, quickly amped up their online um, offerings or if they didn't have or a delivery, some of them added delivery. Um, do you have home, do you, do you have home delivery or are you solely they come in and they have to come in and collect it? During COVID, when the lockdown became a five kilometre radius, radius, that really um, limited our sales. So we did offer a delivery service once or twice a week just during that five-kilometre lockdown period. Oh, okay. And did you do that yourself, like with your own, like, vans or delivery driver, or did you use, like, a service like Uber or Deliveroo or anything like that? We did that ourselves, and it was just our staff that managed that. Right. But it's not something you do on a permanent basis. It was just for a particular time during the lockdown. Okay. Got it. So in terms of the marketing, what's worked for you? What worked for you initially and what's working right now? Um, marketing. We have done no marketing. We opened a Facebook page a couple of months prior to opening just so we could let mainly the locals know that there was a cafe coming that created a little bit of a buzz. Other than Facebook and Instagram, we've never paid for any advertising or undertaken any advertising. We had a, a local newspaper come and do a write-up on us early on and we've been featured in a couple of little um, editorials for Herald Sun and when they're doing things on 
the Mornington Peninsula, but we've never actually done any paid advertising at all. Wow. And you don't even have a, and this is really interesting, not only do you not have a Facebook page anymore, I know you've got an Instagram, which we've got at the bottom if you're watching, it's at the, the bottom of the screen and we'll we'll put a link to that in the show notes page for those listening to the audio. But you also don't have a website. And I was quite shocked when I realised you didn't actually have a website. I was like, wow, um, tell us why. Why did you shut down Facebook? Well, I, I can kind of probably get, but I'll let you explain. Why did you shut down the Facebook page? But why don't you have a website? I think initially I did think we would have a website. It was just, uh, honestly, I was too busy in the cafe and I'm not very tech savvy and it was something that we never got around to and because we were so busy it didn't feel like it was something that we needed to. We weren't looking to generate extra sales and I, I really liked the idea of a really old school community cafe that everyone knew about and it was word of mouth yeah and that's what I was as you were talking I was thinking that's that you literally are kind of running that local community-based old school as you said um business and it's working for you so I think it's it's fascinating I'm, I'm glad that we've you know it's very rare that I have people on the show that have that you know everybody's looking oh online because there's a whole thing with online because online can be great because obviously it can expand your reach but there's also a lot of tech involved like you said like the website and as we had this morning <laughs> we were I'm gonna laugh now because as we were coming on you were supposed to join from your laptop and we were like we've got to go we've got to go live and you had to quickly put your phone up which is great but as we know you know technology can be tricky it can be expensive you know even just like maintaining a website um you know all the extra bells and whistles that you need so I think it's really fantastic that you know you you're running this successful local cafe that doesn't necessarily you know reply uh, rely sorry on you know websites and high-tech um stuff so I think that's amazing in terms of you do have an Instagram though um so I mean how successful is that do you think do you I don't know if you kind of monitor or anything um you know but how kind of successful do you think that is in bringing people into the cafe I really like Instagram. I find it a lot more positive than Facebook. Facebook, we closed our Facebook page because it just felt like it was, especially over COVID, it felt like a spot where people were starting to get a bit niggly and someone would get on there and say, I went in there and someone wasn't wearing their mask correctly. And it just felt like it was taking up a lot of time too. A lot of people would ask questions where the, you know, about opening hours, which were clearly visible. And it just didn't feel like we were getting anything valuable out of it. Instagram's great. It's really visual. Um, an example of Instagram is we used to get some local damn donuts. And if we posted a photo of donuts on Insta, we would get people walking in within 20 minutes. Oh, I just yeah. saw. Donuts, <laughs> definitely uh, a great tool for us. Nice, nice. I love it. Um, so, finally, just to, to wrap up, then, what lessons would you say you've learned? Because I say this was a, a a risky venture for you. Went kind of with your your gut, like you said. Your business plan was just kind of like, I think this is going to work, um, and you just went for it, which is great. What lessons? So, five years in, what lessons would you say you have learned from running the business, whether personally, professionally, or both? 
I think personally it's given me a lot of confidence, this business. Uh, and also it's taught me to let go of control. I'm a bit of a control actually. And I've, I've, I've had to delegate and I've had to trust my staff and leave, leave it in their hands. And also just trusting your gut, I think, and aligning your ethics with your business. I think if you do that, everything else just kind of falls into place or it has for us. So when you say, when you because your staff essentially run the cafe and you're, you know, obviously you pay them, but you pay yourself as well. So what do you do with your time? Like how much time do you spend on the business? Like what, what does that kind of look like and what else are you doing? It's, well, I guess you've got the animal sanctuary. That's probably <laughs> takes up a lot of time. Um. I usually set aside Mondays as an admin day, so I do all of my payroll. So I still do all of my um, accounts myself and payroll, and I order order all of the retail stock. Beck does a lot of the day-to-day, say, fruit and veg and food supply ordering. And then most days there's some kind of contact. So there might be a message back and forward, hey, we need to order biopack packaging or there might be questions about equipment or just different bits and pieces. So it's always kind of on my mind. Well, a lot of the time it's on my mind, but there can be a few days where I'm completely busy with the farm and I forget that I have a cafe. <laughs> I love that. Fantastic. So, what's next? Yeah, you kind of intimated there might be a second location coming. Um, tell us about any kind of plans for the future for Wombat. I, I swing between wanting to have 10 Wombats taking over the world and doing absolutely nothing because I'm so busy with other things uh, here in the country. I've become really heavily involved in the local community and I'm trying to think of what's the best use of my time, like how can I best advocate for animals? And there's other opportunities. For example, I'm talking with local farmers about moving away from sheep farming and maybe looking at growing oats because the oat milk industry is exploding. Yeah. Trying to include healthy food choices in this region, which is severely lacking. So for me to do another cafe, there has to be a really clear why and I'm just not sure at the moment. Well, you seem to have done very well by going with your gut, so I think you'll know whether or not it's right. But in the meantime, um, it's amazing success for for Wombat. So really appreciate you sharing your journey, Beck. I think it's been quite inspiring um, because I think oftentimes people think, oh, open a vegan cafe, you know, it's got to be in a busy area. You know, it's better to have it where there's other vegan places, whereas I think, you know, you're a really great example of, and I think this is important as well because I'm a city girl, so I, I, you know, obviously I I like having things that are convenient, but I think it's really important to have places like this that are, you know, 
in the local community for the local community um, to introduce them to, you know, veganism and vegan eating and vegan products. So I really love what you're doing. And I hope that people will take a lot of inspiration from this. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for talking with me. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. If you like the show, please give it a review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on as it helps to get it seen by more people. There are more free resources on the veganbusinessmedia.com website to help you in your quest to build and sustain a successful business. And if you'd like to work with me personally on promoting and growing your vegan business or brand, you'll find details on how to do this on the website at veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the Work With Me menu link. Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to catching up with you on the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.